Welcome to episode 35 of the Cowcast, Shop Talk. All right, welcome in. We had a minor hiccup on uh, my part, Eric's part, related to getting the last episode up. We actually well, there were hiccups involved. There were hiccups. We have actually recorded so far one episode per week, but one of us was a week behind in getting things up. That's me. So sorry for that. Uh, but anyway, so I'm Eric. I am James, and we are here to talk to you again about all good things comic retailing. Uh, so what we've got on tap for this episode is really kind of two distinct pieces, and they're going to bookend some other stuff. So the first thing is doing a full con recap of having Garth out here and the rest of the crew and just how all of that went. Uh, we talked on a couple of different episodes about some of the prep work we were doing, the lead-in, the logistics, all of those things. So James, do you want to kind of take the reins and go through a little bit of a recap? Sure thing. Well, uh, we had our big signing on the 28th. It it, uh, it paid off. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of work going into it. And um, I think more than a lot of work, it was just a lot of anxiety. And uh, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm on some things I'm a worry where I, I do tend to actually be quite the optimist. But uh, for something like this, I do, I, I do start picturing everything that can go wrong. And luckily... Nothing really did, which was uh, which was amazing. We were at the last minute. I don't. Well, yeah, we did mention this uh, in a podcast already that I'm sure most people listening already know. But we had Brian Azzarello who ended up joining us. Um, we had uh, Eric Gapster who came with Phil Hester who ended up being the anchor on our exclusive store variant for Jimmy's Bastards Number Four. And then we had uh, an artist from Madison named Jordan Gunderson. Yep, who also came. And uh, I felt bad because I spoke to him for a combined total of about 20 seconds. But uh, he seemed like a very, very nice guy, talented artist. Uh, anyway, we really the lead up to the signing, we kind of, uh, what did we focus on? We focused on obviously having the store clean, having everything nice and organized, uh, and by clean, I don't, I don't just mean we, we dusted, like we, we went through and we actually took some fixtures off the floor and we just, yep. we made it open. We, tried, we set up. Yeah. The, the shop is always open. It's a very open right. concept, but we tried to remove any impediments to flow of people knowing that they were going to be, we created a, like a lane where everyone yep. was going to be kind of, uh, uh, pushed through, yep. corralled into, I suppose. So we, we cleared a lot of stuff out and we just, uh, by really by Friday morning, we kind of had it looking the way we wanted. Now there were a couple of impediments there. Uh, basically Friday night, we have Friday night magic. So we couldn't get everything totally set up because we have our, our magic players that come in. Uh, also we, we had a whole day of business, you know, and Fridays tend to be busy. So we couldn't completely set everything up. Uh, but, Friday, late Friday night, Sam did a pretty good job of putting everything back where it was supposed to go. Then we came in relatively early yeah, Saturday morning. 7.30, I think, on Saturday morning, you and yeah. I? Yeah, about 7.30. Um, now, Friday, the reason that I wasn't doing any late night setup 
was I was Mr. Chauffeur. You were on airport duty. Yeah, so I went relatively early in the day to pick Joe Pruitt up. And then we kind of hung out for a little while, went and got lunch and a couple of beers, uh, and then came back to the shop. So he got to sort of scope the shop out, and we talked shop in the shop for probably an hour, hour and a half. And uh, he's just a very, very nice guy. He's been in the industry forever. He knows everybody. And right now he's on the Aftershock tour. He is the Aftershock tour. He is the Aftershock. <laughs> well, he brings he brings some some uh, generally whenever, headliners and openers with him sometimes, though. But Yeah, generally when he's in locations where some of their creative pools are, mm-hmm. he'll be able to snag a few folks, which is, as a retailer, that's really cool. That's really yeah. nice for someone to be... Uh, to be willing to put that kind of effort towards your, you know, your store and helping you sell the product. Well, the the cool thing is he we had a lot of discussion about both on the store side and kind of the industry side. And I liked that he asked a lot of questions about everything from branding to what kind of covers we think pop off of the shelf, uh, what kind of a trade dress do we find is is uh, most effective for us displaying, you know, either uh, archived or face out, little things like that that I like talking about anyways because I'm boring in that way. For him, that's business. But he also, he has been to, I don't know, probably Probably. like 70 or 80 shops in the last couple of months alone. So he's seen just in the last couple of months the, the good and bad of what the comic book store market is like. So I was picking his brain while he was picking mine and asking him what what is this? you know what what am I doing wrong with this what do you think that could be done better what do you think that we're doing right that we could double down on and uh it was just cool to get uh to get his insight into things and then obviously like a, a lot of the cool industry stuff that I heard from him was was really cool too that yeah. was uh, a real gas to hear that uh after that we went out and I got a couple more drinks, then I dropped him off at his hotel. Went to pick Garth up at the airport, which was pretty cool. Uh, Garth is an unbelievably nice guy. He is very humble, very down to earth. It was uh, it was pretty surreal. You, yeah. If uh, I have a, I have a feeling, if you were flying next to him on an airplane, walking next to him on a street in New York City, you wouldn't know who he is if you didn't know he was Garth Ennis. Yeah. Because he doesn't carry himself any different from any normal person. In fact, if anything, he tends to be a little bit more like when we were just walking between here and the pub, he tends to be more passive than he does, you know, outward or gregarious mm-hmm. or anything like that. So you wouldn't, he would, doesn't call attention to himself and uh, just a real, well, both he and Joe, all the creators we had, just a real tr- treat to talk to because oh, yeah. there's, not only is there a wealth of knowledge just on the industry and the creative medium, but um, there's some creators that you talk to who, if they don't like something that they've done and you ask them a question about it, you might as well not bother talking to them again for the rest of the day because sure. they're not going to, they're not even going to acknowledge you. Um, whereas every single thing, so, and I know you talked to Garth about some of the stuff that he's done and other things as well. And same with me. But, you know, I kind of went all over the map on different different properties that he's worked on, whether it's his own creator-owned stuff, whether it's Punisher, you know, whatever. And, you know, no matter where I went, 
every single thing, he always appreciated the fact that you acknowledged what he had done, regardless of what it was. You just appreciated the fact that you could talk to it. And Mm -hmm. um, he and I actually had a really uh, very deep discussion uh, related to his war comics stuff. Um, You know that one of my cousins has got some lingering PTSD from some stuff that he has done. And we just talked about the war comics, and I asked him how he got his... um, where he got all the insight, and he said a lot of it was from reading comics from that time when he was younger. Yeah, a lot of the British stuff like battle and things like that. But then nowadays, he'll go back and he'll try and do a little bit of research here and there before he plops down a new War Stories thing. And, you know, we just kind of got talking about that, and that's how... And then it ended up spinning into the PTSD thing, and then I kind of talked to him about my cousin, and he just... He had this real appreciation for... It didn't matter whose story it was, what it was... He just had a real appreciation for understanding why someone could appreciate putting these stories into print mm-hmm. for somebody else to consume, right? Because nowadays, you've got, let's be honest, most people our age, they know World War II happened. They probably know Germany and Japan and America. But you go much beyond that, and they don't really know a lot. I mean, they'll know the atomic bomb, and they'll know Auschwitz. But to talk to someone who's gone deeper and to have someone younger be able to talk to him at that level and and talk to him about the details of those things and beyond he really appreciated that and so he he talked about it and well, then, and that's and and we we talked a lot about that i mean we were talking about everything from mustangs and mosquitoes to uh to um clint you know to kelly's heroes to because mm-hmm. obviously i as you know too i have pretty much my entire library is like world war ii and civil war and uh so I've always been interested in the largest conflict the world has ever seen, which is one of the, the reasons that I've, I've always appreciated Garth Ennis' writing. But then, uh, but then you can go into other books that are not related to it at all, like uh, um, Adventures in the Rifle Brigade, which is just a goof-off, mm-hmm. you know, ragtag bunch of soldiers, and the stories are absolutely absurd and get more and more ridiculous as you go along. And he just had the biggest smile across his face and... And, uh, for, for me to say, you know, like it was absolutely hysterical. I loved it. He thought that was the, he got the greatest kick out of that. I mean, he just thought that was fantastic. He told me, oh, I've got another story for it. If I ever get a chance to do it, he explained what it was. And it's just, he was just so happy to share everything. Mm -hmm. And most creators that you talk to, they appreciate the fact that you appreciate them. And that tends to be where it stops. Whereas with Garth, it was just this, oh, you like that? Let me tell you more. Oh, you want to hear about that? Well, here, let me tell you how it came to be. Oh, you like that? Let's let's talk about this. And and yeah. it was just one of those things where he was just you could tell that there was a sense of pride, but it wasn't ego. It was just this I'm really glad you liked it. You probably would like this too. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the coolest moments was before um before they Joe and Brian and and Garth left, um we tried to run a few more things through for Garth to sign just to kind of have for the shop after the signing event was essentially done and we were running through preacher we were running through punisher and he stopped me midway through punisher and he said I know you and James really appreciate the war stuff and I would really be honored if I could sign some of your war stuff for you just to have in the store and it was just kind of that moment where we were like holy crap he actually like I know he was listening to us because we were having a good conversation. But to have well, someone say, I know this is important to you. Mm-hmm. Stop what you're doing. Let's get some of that done. We'll come back and finish this. And he did. He finished one of the all big, of it out. That, that's one of the big things that I noticed is he 
he's in a, I mean, the, the best writers have to be very observant because they're picking up nuance. Right. But he was, um, there were little things that he picked up that, uh, something I mentioned maybe in passing on Friday that he brought up again on Sunday. And it didn't matter that, you know, there, there was no air of pretension about him at all. And I thought, now I, I, the coolest thing was I got to ask him questions about some of his work that I've had since I was in high school. And who, whoever gets that opportunity to really, uh, to really, uh, like I've had stuff that I've spent hours Google searching, looking for some sort of, uh, explanation of this or that, some little comment or something. And I could just ask and get a, an answer in yeah. a minute from the person who wrote it. And that was unbelievably uh, surreal to me to finally, to be able to just bring, I mean, like it was once the floodgates were open, I had these questions that were coming out, but it wasn't like all we were talking about. And the other thing was we were, like you said, we were asking about, I spent a, a decent amount of time talking to him about cross, which I, I actually, I really like it. His, his cross. I like, I don't really like the other cross, but we weren't talking about, we didn't talk about comics. I would say we talked about comics maybe a fourth of the time. Maybe yeah. Not even that. Yeah. Then in the car with him the next day, we were talking about how much time we spend with our families respectively and uh, how did I meet my wife? How did he meet his wife? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, the The atmosphere where he lives in New York versus where he came from in Ireland. And it's just like, like we, it got to the point where we were just two people talking and I wasn't talking to him about, I wasn't talking to my favorite writer about my favorite stuff that he's written. Who you don't know, you never want to be a lapdog anyways, when you're talking to somebody like that. But it was funny because, but he made it easy not to be that because that exactly, it was a conversation with him. It wasn't, it wasn't like him sitting you down and telling you his life story. It was like you said, it was a conversation. Right. And, it was just, I mean, we've met a lot of creators. And there's one that we met who we only each got maybe three, four, five minutes with, Max, who, shockingly, I think to both of us, kind of went down that same path. And it was Grant Morrison. You were talking yeah, to him about yeah. seagulls. I know. I mean, it was just one of those things where these guys who are, um, you know, to us, these huge creators who uh, have done amazing things, in our time mm-hmm. talking with Ed Brubaker, same thing. It it really, I think, before we were in the position that we're in right now. I liked our time listening to Ed. Brubaker oh yeah, more than that, anything, was, that was hysterical. But I mean, it's one of those things where you, we're blessed. We're truly oh, yeah. incredibly lucky. Oh, yeah. But the thing that I think we're both trying to convey here is that on top of the fact that we got to do this signing, and on top of the fact that we had a list creators in here, was the fact that they they were just normal people. Right. They had no. Over the top expectations. I mean, it was you just you went, you grabbed dinner, you grabbed a couple mm-hmm. beers, and you could talk, and you could talk about anything and everything. And man, after and we did, and and you guys did. I mean, Sam and I stayed here, closed down the shop after you know the event was done, and got a couple things picked up, and then caught up with you guys for a few hours. And it was it was literally, aside from the fact that it was butt cold outside and it was pitch black. I mean, it was literally like we were just outside having a bonfire mm-hmm. or a campfire or something like that and just hanging out, drinking a couple of drinks and chatting. And, and, and yeah. it was, it, it was just one of those experiences that was far outweighed whatever happened in the store. 
was just getting that time to talk. Well, and, that and, and and that's yeah, that's ugh. the best part is that we the signing was great. It was yeah. it was a, it, it got um it got you know, people it got, from multiple. We pulled states. a lot of we pulled a lot of people, new people into the store. Yeah, it got more. I think it got better and more legitimate press than just getting a newspaper, radio, or TV commercial for the store could get you. But at the same time, that was while that that was the main reason to have them here. To me, in hindsight, it was ancillary to the time that I and, and you and everybody else was able to spend just hanging out with these guys and, and yep. developing uh, a cool relationship. Connection. Yeah. Um, the the other thing was. Corona. Uh, the other thing was, and, I, and we've said this before when you're talking to creators, anyone can go up to them and talk about their, the big thing, yeah. you know? And I, and one person that we know, uh, he, it was hilarious. Cause I, <laughs> did you see what he said when he went up to Garden? <laughs> he goes up to him, Hey, uh, what do you think about that preacher show? Huh? Like, that's pretty cool. Huh? And he was like, Oh yeah. Like if you, you know, if that is kind of your level of engagement, there's, he'll be nice, but you're not going to get much out of it. Yeah, right. and that's why if you ever if you ever have a cool opportunity like that, don't they don't want to talk about the thing that everybody's talked to them about ad nauseum a hundred times over. Yep. Talk about the things that you think they might be interested in because you're going to get more insight out of that than you going. Hey, what were you thinking when you wrote uh, Preacher, man? Yeah. What were you thinking What's about? What's up like, with our Yeah, you know, that that kind of thing. Uh, that had its time in the sun, and it flared yeah, up again. Yeah. I Anyway, I thought it was funny, and, and we, we kind of joked about that afterwards. He's like, I didn't have anything better to say. Like, okay, you know, whatever. That's great. But I, but yeah. he, he's glad that he showed up. I'm gl- we're glad he showed up, oh. obviously. Um, and then the, the best part was having Joe and, and Garth here. The byproduct was that Brian Azarello wanted to come yeah. up and hang out. And, and you know, that's kind of the, the crazy thing, too, is, you know, you're used to, you're like, oh, that's that's Brian Azarello, That's Garth Ennis. Well, honestly, at this point, they're Garth and Brian to us. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, 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 it's, they're just guys. And um, those those of you that may have met Brian or haven't met Brian, uh, he's one of those guys where he can be a hard nut to crack and get to talk sometimes. And you never know what his response is going to be. So we kind of were. Grizzled. Yeah. And and he's, you know, he's a vet. He's done this quite a while. He's been around. And so it was one of those things where we knew he was coming up to want to hang out with Joe and with Garth and obviously get a chance to see the shop. And so we just didn't know what to expect. And uh, he showed up a couple minutes after the signing started, which was just fine because he drove himself. He took, you know, whatever. And uh, he got seated and he's like, all right. I guess we'll do this, huh? And I just didn't have the heart to look at him and say, yeah, we've been doing it for about 10 minutes now. <laughs> but he was, a, he was a good sport. Um, he had a couple of people that hung and talked to him for you know, a good 5, 10 minutes each. He gave them plenty of time, and he, he talked with us. He, he was, um, mm-hmm. He's not the most open guy when it comes to just wanting to share everything, but if you ask him a question, he'll get back to you on it. And, and he won't – he didn't um, – he didn't hold anything back. The only time he held something back was that uh, one of the people had asked him a question about, is there anything that you've ever written that you kind of wish maybe you did them differently or whatever? And uh, he said, there's two things that I absolutely hate that I've written. We never found out what those two things were. And after that, we were kind of like, eh, 
eh, maybe we won't push it. We'll just kind of let that be. But but after after about <laughs> ten hours straight of drinking with yeah, Ryan Azzarello, yeah. uh, he he definitely I don't know I it was really because at the we switched to multiple bars yeah. uh, that night. So by the last one, it was just Brian and I at the end. And of the And let's table. be honest, it wasn't it wasn't the case of all right, we've conquered this one. Let's go find the next one. It, there was always a reason for oh, moving. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, well, and, and somebody Garth wanted, wanted to go to the Irish pub. Right. And, and we th- wanted to take Garth to the Irish pub. And then Joe wanted a specific food item at a different one. So we went to a different right. one. So, I mean, it, was, it wasn't like we were just out, you know, running. But, but it was hilarious. And we were, now we were, we got to uh, telling some stories and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and that was, that was a blast. Uh, it, it was, Every, I mean, I think everybody had a good time. Is, is when I, it's the point I'm trying to convey. Yeah. So, if we were to, if we were to tell people to take anything away from our signing experience, it would be if you're ever going to have one or help set one up or something, do what you can to make sure that your signing goes off as best as possible. Have that be, you, you know, your number one priority because if if it doesn't, you have a snafu, some kind of snag, whatever. The creators are going to know that, but at the same time, also take that opportunity to get to know these guys because it's going to be absolutely. Now, here's another thing that I realized afterwards, and I I thought about um, a lot of the pictures that I've seen of when when a store has a creator in, hundreds of, of people taking selfies all the time and stuff. We didn't do anything like that, you know. I'm not a selfie guy to begin with. I don't really have much of a social media presence. We all I thank just, you for that. You're all welcome. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we were just all hanging out for, you know, essentially almost three days. And I was like, well, guys, can we take a selfie? Garth, get in here. Let's take a selfie. And, you know, don't just treat these people like they're mm-hmm. people. Yep. Um, and and, and yeah. you will have and you will have a great time. My takeaway from the whole signing, the stuff that I will remember is not in the store. All that stuff that I'll remember is the night before the signing, the, the, night, the after. night after the signing, the next day. That's the stuff that I'm taking home with me. And and everything that happened at the store is just an extra. Right. It, exactly. And, and I think, too, the other, I mean, we could go on for hours about the stories and the things, but you know, I think James hit it on the head where if these opportunities are presented to you, um, take advantage of them from the standpoint of not only does it help your business if it's something that you can afford to do because mm-hmm. there is a there's a hefty price tag that comes with a lot of this because you're talking about travel you're talking about product but even more importantly than that let's be honest you're talking about time mm-hmm. and you know we have a lot of people to thank for the signing event and the top two on the list are our wives. Because not only did they put up with, yeah. you know, your wife put up with you having to run people back and forth and all sorts of stuff. Well, my, and my wife was here on Saturday. Exactly. Kelly uh, was here. Volunteering. God bless her. She helped She's run the very get stuff. pretty and, blonde in the black dress on Drew's camera. That's right. Um, my wife, you know, said, you know what, this is your day. You have it. I'll take care of our daughter. And they both, thankfully, they were able to come down and got to meet Garth and got to say hi to him. And I don't think my three-year-old really knew what she was doing, but that's okay. She never does. No, she's, she's cute. She tried to uh, knock me down in front of Garth Ennis. Which is good because you need it every now yeah, and again. That's true. Uh, every Tuesdays, you're knocked down. Um, but, you know, so we have those two to thank. Obviously, we've got Sam 
without Sam, none of this stuff happens around here as gracefully as it does. Um, and then, you know, we had a whole cavalcade of other people that came to help. Jackie was Jackie. An incredible. She, uh, she showed up early. She stayed till the tail end. Yep. Uh, the only reason that she left was because I pulled her next door. Otherwise, yep. she would have stuck around uh, uh, doing whatever needed to be done. Yep. Um, we had, we had uh, Tom Henry here helping direct oh, traffic. Tom, and and anyone who knows Tom, there's no one better to have at an event than Tom. <laughs> hey, Unfortunately, he didn't wear a hat. He did not. He which did was not wear a hat. A bummer. The it, one of the th- see here's another thing we got to bring up is. We had, and I know we mentioned this before, but the signing coincided with the downtown Halloween. Yep. So the the signing really wrapped up at two. The business trick or treat started at two. Yep. So all those guys kind of had to fight their way through mobs like, of kids, th- like well over a thousand kids, just to get from here to the bar next. Four door. buildings down. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, but Tom. God bless him. Was handing out candy. Yep. But he decided to stand in the doorway. <laughs> Tom, you can't. The whole point is to get these the kids into the business, not like bypass them around the business. Um, but it was so. Yeah, he's great. He's great. He's fantastic. Um, and we just we had all sorts of of you know people coming in offering it. Actually, a big thanks to Drew because I know he uh, on their podcast on Comics for Fun and Profit he was out there saying that he was coming up and um i know he gave a little recap afterwards so big thanks to him for now that. my now i gotta say i feel so bad i had i mean i was my mind was going in a thousand directions i hardly had any time to to, to talk to drew I'm i sorry, covered drew. it i covered it i'm sorry drew well you should be next time next time i'm gonna take you out I'm well here's the, the deal um i'm pretty sure we're going to c2e2 and i'm pretty sure they're going to c2e2 oh, yeah. so we'll make it up to him there mm-hmm um, but irrespective of that, also big thanks. Um, so we talked about Brian, Joe, we talked about Garth, obviously we had Phil Hester, who is honestly one of the nicest guys in comics you will ever get a chance to meet mm-hmm. time of day to talk to anyone about anything. Um, he was here, he did a couple of sketches he was, he, and this is his return second trip, trip here and he, Bless his heart. He he said on his way out. He said, "Anytime you got you want me here, I'm more than happy to come." So, um, oh boy, we didn't even mention the big O yet, did we? No. Oh my God. Go well, ahead. You no, you no, you jump into it. So, well, I'm going to go down. Well, the and line. and I'm Phil Hester down. brought Eric, Eric Gapster. Gapster, and and Eric was. Uh, it's actually it was pretty entertaining because um, you know for those of you that are into kind of the old time comedy duos, you know you've got Abbott and Costello. And that's pretty much what these guys were. They were just ripping each other the whole time. And people were coming up to them, you know, talking to Phil. And Phil was kind of handing them off to Eric. And they had no clue who Eric was. And Eric was making sure that Phil knew that they didn't know who he was. And it was it was actually pretty hysterical. But uh, having those guys was great. And then you said Jordan showed up. He, um, he actually reached out to us the week, that Tuesday, I think, before the show. And just said, hey, I'm in Madison. I hear you've got a show going on. Any chance you got a table, I'd be happy to to pop in. And always, we all you know, if you're a creator, we've always got a table. I mean, it's not absolutely if you're going to want to drive down, by all means. And so he came down, um, really talented artist. He right now he's doing Aspen work, but I think he was he's mentioning something about getting a gig for Marvel potentially, like doing a cover or something like that. Um, 
very much from the Michael Turner well, School of Art. The other thing, I felt like a jackass because like the 20 <laughs> seconds that I talked to him, I said something about his work at Top Cow and he's like, well, it's actually Aspen. I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but and, uh, and, it, and again, when we talked to him, it was, you know, all these other guys were here. It was just, it was like the peak it was hours just chaos. Of the, yeah, so I organized chaos. Chaos in our brains, not so much right. chaos in the store. Right. But no, he was he was fantastic, and uh, we hope to have him back again. Mm-hmm. We'll get him into the normal rotation. He sold some some prints and some books, and um, honestly, man, his art is really good. Yeah, it, it's very it Michael Turner esque. I mean, it it is great. Well, and, here, now here's that kind of leads me into uh, another thing where I think we are able to have a little advantage on. I don't say on other stores that that want to set a signing up, but run anything like that because the different levels of experience that we have, that we have had, because I've run like from the top black Friday events at major retail chains. Yeah. yeah so like I was the guy who would have to show up at 6 PM on Thanksgiving to let 150 people in and get everybody situated and make sure everything, you know, so Running, running a signing in a store this size—it's like I, I know how to, I know how to keep things going. Yep. And it's I, I kind of take the, I kind of take the, um, the management approach where you put you put all of the pieces in play. Yep. And then your, the the best type of management is management that doesn't have to ever do anything. Because they've positioned the You've right pieces here, in the folks. right spot. James doesn't do anything. No, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I just sit around here and drink beer. Well, you know, I... but so that's anyway. So Mike, I kind of flipped right back to that mode during the signing where it was like I'm watching this person, this person, this person. I'm not watching the guys. I'm not watching our signers, our guests, so much as I'm watching everyone. Is this person doing their job? Are they in there? position is this person in their quadrant you know what i mean and the best part is is that we've done this enough now and by enough i mean four times five times that we we, we know what we're doing and this was the first thing of this scale but i'm gonna brag a little it went off without a hitch i mean mm-hmm. we we nailed it we knew exactly what we were doing we had the flow figured out we had and, and it was one of those things where um it was. It's purely because of the people we have in place. Absolutely, that's that's totally what it is. And you know, we had thanked. Oh, last creator we have to get to. Otis. Otis was here for his hat trick year, his third time. Um, he was doing sketches. He had his books, and you know, it's one of those things where when you reach out to a creator and you start to forge a relationship, you never know where it's going to go. Uh, with folks like Garth. Um, we know we can talk to him. We know if we see him again, he, he will probably recognize us. Maybe he won't remember exactly where we're from, but I'm sure he will. He'll certainly recognize us yeah, and, sure and remember some of the discussions we've had. But the beauty of, of someone like Otis is he's a regional creator. You know, he's from four and a half hours away. Um, so there's a closeness there, but it, it's just one of those amazing things where his trades of oddly normal, we've, we've, sold more oddly normal trade volume one than any other trade we've sold in the store any one single volume now we may have sold more walking dead trades from one to 27 than we've sold oddly normal one through three you know what this year i don't know if that's even <laughs> the case 
But that's a testament, and that's honestly, for any creators that are listening, that's a testament to what your impact can be in a store. And so Otis came down, he did it again, and he is just there's there's a saying out for anyone who's not from the Midwest that it's called Minnesota Nice. And it's basically Midwest, like Wisconsin, Iowa, we're all known for being pretty hospitable, pretty welcoming. Uh, generally when you say six o'clock, it means you're there at 10 to six kind of thing. Like that's kind of how we are. Minnesota tends to take it to another level. I mean, they, a person from Minnesota coming here will buy you dinner and you're like, wait, you drove from Minnesota and you want to buy me dinner. Like that's, they might buy us dinner, but it's our job as Wisconsinites (laughs) to buy them beer. Exactly. But that's Minnesota nice. And, and Otis is Minnesota nice in every sense of the word. Every single thing he does, he, he, he doesn't refuse it, but when you say, I want to I want to buy you lunch or something like that, oh, you don't have to. You really shouldn't. You don't need to. And, you know, it's, it's one of those constant battles. We know we don't need to, but we're going to. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, fine, if you insist. I mean, so anyways, having him back is just always a treat. We always have, now at this being the third time, we have kids, we have parents who keep an eye on our Facebook page. They see he's coming. And it was kind of funny. We had people waiting in line. I don't know if you knew this because you were running around at the very beginning getting people in place, but I was looking outside. We had people waiting in line for the Garth and Azarello line who skipped over them just to go to Otis. No way. Yes. That's great. I mean, so it's it's one of those things where um, – Well, the, I know it just, the second it year in a row, we have a, a customer, Brian, and, who brings his daughter in, and she talks about – Otis, this is the second year in a row. She talks about Otis up until the, the signing, you know, every time he brings her in here. And then she comes in to meet Otis and she just clams right clams up. up. She can't talk. She can't talk. And it happened again. And I, I kind of gave her a little bit of a hard time. I mean, she's, I don't know, 10. Yeah. Uh, I kind of gave her a hard time a couple of days before. I said, are you going to be able to talk to Otis this time? And she's like, yeah. And then he came over to me and he's like, yep, she did it again. <laughs> So Otis, for for whatever reason, he just is he's an awe inspiring figure to her. He she is. can't even she can't even form words to Otis. And the greatest thing was that, you know, we've so But that's his perfect demographic there. That's yes. she loves Adley Normal. She bought the ABCD Geek ABCD that he Geek, had. Yep. And and the thing that um so how this whole relationship with Otis started was uh it, I remember <laughs> I remember it very clearly. Um, three years ago, I was traveling for my other job and I was in New York city. I was actually in Times square in my hotel. I had just gotten back from going to visit Midtown comics and I was sitting in the room and I, I just said, you know what? We've got the world's smallest comic con going on. We should really invite some creators. So I shot a note to Otis because I had been getting oddly normal knowing I had a very, very young baby at the time. And I wanted something that I could have to share with her. Obviously, she hasn't. She just started getting into it more now. But I reached out to him, and I remember I called you because five minutes later I got a response email from him saying, "Absolutely sure, I'd be happy to be there." And I called you, and I said, "You're not going to believe this, but we have a creator." Um, and that's where it all started. And we've watched him go from oddly normal in single issues to oddly normal in trade. To the TV show being option or the the rights to um, the the IP being optioned for a TV show, which we got a little bit of an update on. Um, 
to now, one of the, the coolest things is that with IDW getting the Star Wars Adventures uh, kids title for Star Wars, he's going to be doing a Jawa backup with a Jawa cover. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, it, it's just been so fun to watch over these three years, this this guy go from this creative idea all the way to, you know, Star Wars Adventures and, you know, we I think we both share in that goal of seeing him be on some major oh, yeah. title. I mean, he no he's the it. kind of guy that you want doing it. He puts everything into it and he's he's um and I don't I don't want to keep using the same comparison, but the guy's a Scotty Young level talent and he should yeah. be he should be doing, you know, Marvel variant covers and he should be doing uh throw him on an issue of Squirrel Girl. I I think it would it would sell. And the you know, the, the impressive thing, too, is that, again, that Minnesota Nice, that self-deprecating, he was doing this before Katie Cook was. Katie Cook was getting pointers from him, and he told her, you've got what it takes to make it in the, in this industry. Go do it and succeed. And we all know where Katie Cook is now. So... Where is she at? I haven't seen her lately. Well, she's in Michigan. Anyways, uh, but nonetheless, it's one of those things where he's the guy that always wants everyone else to succeed first. And it's nice to see him finally getting that reward. Agreed. Um, now, the last thank you that I'm going to throw out there, and, and I think you'll agree with this more than anything, is thank you to the customers. Thank you to those of you that listen to us on the podcast, that uh, watch us on Facebook. Without you guys coming to the store, there really wouldn't be much energy behind us wanting to do this. The world's smallest Comic-Con grew exponentially this year. Will we be able to grow it again like this next year? Probably not. Know. But it's one of those You'd things. We have to rope in <laughs> we have to, the, the ghost of Joe Simon or something. something. Jack Kirby. Um, but no, it was one of those things where we hatched the idea of wanting to have a way to give back, but then also get more people in the store, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of a two-way street. And... Um, this year was definitely the biggest year yet. We filled tables with creators. We didn't have a single table to spare. Uh, we were actually kind of dreading somebody else saying, Hey, I want to come in and us going, all right, you're going to have a three by three card table yeah. <laughs> because that's what it was going to be. Um, the, the, the nicest, so the nicest thing was the signing went great. The time spent with all those guys outside the store went great, but well, there was a lot of little things in between that happened. Like after um, Saturday night, after everybody went back to the hotel, I ended up coming back here at like one o'clock in the morning, do a little cleanup because we had food out, pizza and stuff. And I don't want to get, I don't want to attract mice. So I was in here at like one in the morning, uh, cleaning all that stuff up. And that was his punishment got, for going to the pub early with Garth. I know. I think I got home at like maybe one forty-five or two, uh, and then I got then the next morning I was woken up because we had uh, to make a very long story short, severe storms on the East Coast that delayed Garth's flight and then eventually canceled it. He got delayed and had to spend another day in Wisconsin. I felt horrible, uh, but he was a true gentleman about it. Yeah, uh, to make like I said a very long story short, so. That was uh, the time spent with all those guys was great. The signing was great. Everything was great. To me, the the most cathartic moment was when I was able to wake up Monday morning and know 
it all happened. It all went off with, with, without a hitch, with no problem. And it was like all behind me. And I, and cause all the anxiety that I had and all the worrying about, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? Blah, blah, blah. It went off. It happened. Uh, it was the most relief I felt in a long time. I think that was when I was fully able to enjoy what had just happened the last three days, but, uh, great time. Uh, we, I don't want to harp on it too much more, but, um, you know, we want to thank everybody that, that came out and yeah. everybody that bought a, one of our variant covers. Yep. And, um, if anyone's interested in picking one up, we have, we have them in many variations. We have them unsigned. We have them signed by all three people. We have it, a couple of them just signed by Garth. Yeah. But, um, yeah, well, just let us know. Let's jump into some other thank yous that we have. Um, and again, we'll start off with Drew. Yep. Uh, of course, Comics for Fun and Profit is the podcast that you want to go listen to. Uh, Drew came, uh, where does Drew live again? All the way in the beautiful Hocking Hills of Ohio. Ohio. And, and the most impressive thing was it was his wife's idea because it was her birthday weekend. All right, maybe that was a stretch. Yeah. But they both came up and um, it was wonderful to get to meet his wife. She is one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. Incredibly patient and understanding and just, it was an absolute joy to get to meet her. Um, but, and, and I got, you, you, like you said, you didn't get to spend much time with Drew. I got to spend uh, a little bit of time, would have loved to spend more. Um, but he, again, he was, you know, along the same lines of Otis, you're like, I know you've got an event. You've got to take care of that. Don't worry about us. We're, you know, we're big kids. We can handle ourselves. And, um, it was just, it was, it was, it really means something when people are, um, they're willing to make that sacrifice to come up and, and, uh, view your, come to your event and, and be a part of your store. And, uh, so yeah, Drew, we, we really appreciate it. I'll jump in with one little anecdote too about a, a ultimately a positive problem. Another one that we had pop up was like right in the middle of the signing, a guy brought a little golden age collection in. And normally if somebody said, I want to bring a collection in, we're, we're going to say not today. No, but the first book he had on top has got like, um, wow. Comics number six. He's got like old Mary Marvels from the forties and stuff. So I'm like, well, yeah, all right, another thing to juggle. <laughs> uh, but it all, I mean, it was great. We, yeah. we bought it and hopefully we're going to get some more from this guy. But this is another one of those things where you're like, ah, we can't say no. Yeah. We can't say no to this. <laughs> yeah. like, this, this eventually just... you're, but eventually you're going to drown in all the good problems that you're having. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you again, Drew. We're so glad that you came up. Um, he did some some great shout outs on the podcast. He yep. did a Facebook couple Facebook live I heard that. videos. I watched the videos. I saw all of that. Yep. It's all appreciated. It absolutely. I mean, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. We look forward to at least getting a meal for you at C2E2. We want to make mm-hmm. sure that happens. Uh, if we see you before then, it'll be a luxury. Um, so that was great. Big thanks also to our buddy Jason in Hawaii. Yep. Not only not only did Jason want to pick up a couple of covers of uh, Jimmy's Bastards with the signatures on them, he went above and beyond. He sent us treats from Hawaii, and he sent treats for the creators mm-hmm. from Hawaii. Not and just the us and the creators, but he also sent treats up. Oh, for up. all of the yeah, for, for people that came for the uh, for the customers. Yep. So there were. 
there were little uh, chocolate-covered caramel macadamia nuts and all sorts of fun things. And it was just, Jason, you go way out of your way to, to provide things like that. That was fantastic. We really appreciate it. Um, I think I think at this point, um, and and we like you quite a bit, but I think my wife likes you even more than yeah. we do. So between the macadamia nuts, the coffee, yeah, yeah, Absolutely. I'm a big fan. <laughs> so Jason, thank you. Um, we had also we had a couple of folks who couldn't make it to the signing. Um, so we know that there was uh, there's a couple out there. Sam, who's in California, who was unable to make it. He uh, he had asked if we could get a couple get something signed. So we were able to do that for him. That was fantastic. We know he was kind of toying with the idea. Um, and then another guy that uh, just got a, has been a constant emailer of the show, and uh, I finally had a chance to talk with him yesterday. I talked to him for about a half an hour and was interrupted by our delivery. Uh, but uh, Bobby, out in California, uh, it was really great to talk to you. It was fun to kind of share different stories about the different um, creative trends that are going on, some of the historical stuff in comics. We got to hear a little bit about where each other lives. It was fantastic. Um, so thank you to all of you guys who are out there that are listening to us, chatting with us. Um, it, it truly does make this a very enriching experience, not just in the store, but beyond that. Um, and, and it's one of those things too. Oh, and I've got one more thank you. To Juan, who uh, picked up our cover, it's, it's, uh, it's just waiting for him to get back from some some traveling. We're going to ship that out to him. But um, so that's that's awesome. Thank you for wanting to be a part of the show. Wanting was that a pun? No, no, it was not. You made it a pun though, I did. which is great. But uh, no, so it, we've had just a number of folks and and anyone who's listening. Um, we yep. don't normally bloviate this much, but this, no. this you know, this is more of a, a just kind this of, is a, us decompressing. This yeah. is like, yeah, yeah, oh, getting that breath after you well, just we, ran a marathon. We talked uh, last time, or the last two shows that we recorded. We kind of said, do we want to do uh, the convention recap? We're like, no, let's not even. Yeah, we don't even ready. unwrap it. Right we weren't now. ready don't yet. Don't even unwrap we, it. We still had product we were sending back to Diamond for consignment stuff. It was, it was just too much going on. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, so. The con happened. Many people to thank. Uh, if you actually, I will throw this out there. If you are in an area and a store around you has creators coming in, even if they're not a creator that you've ever heard of or maybe a creator you follow, I would recommend going and checking it out if you can, mm -hmm. because it is fun to to chat with them about industry stuff. Um, you'll get to find out things like, uh, you know, one of the questions that was asked to Garth by a number of people was, what's it like to write Punisher again? You know, and it's that's a pretty fair question. And his honest answer was, well, I've, I've had these stories. I just want to tell them. And now I'm ready to tell them kind of thing. Um, very casual. Mm -hmm. But it, it's really worth it if you can to to get out to the local shops. And it is it is surreal, though, just sitting here and thinking right 10 there. feet away right there. That brown chair. Yeah. It's yep. where, you know, all those guys were. And yep. um, no, it was it was great. Like you said, I, I, I honestly don't know how we top it. As far as the, um, the the star power with the creators that we had, we're not a big store. No, no, we're, we're not, not a big in a store big metro and, and area, we, right? And we we say con, but we mean we're we're a store on a corner of a city that has a population of fifteen thousand. You know, yep. we're not getting Stanley. We're not getting these 
We're but, not we're not a random shop on the very 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 southern tips of LA that Marv Wolfman comes and picks up his Wednesday right, comics at. Exactly. You know, I think that's not us. But um, so we're gonna keep we're gonna keep. We've got absolutely. a lot of irons in the fire. Uh, both of us, we even have a little competition right now. Yeah. Um, Which so, neither of us is winning. <laughs> no. Well, the best part is no matter who wins, the, we both the customers win. win. When the customers win too, that's it. Um, but we've got a little competition about who can get. Who, um, like I said, irons in the fire. I think. See, and and, and the, the interesting thing too is that one of the irons that I have in the fire, I was hoping would be a 2018 thing, but it's it's looking like a 2019 or yeah. 2020 thing. But if that iron can come out of the fire, people are going to want to book plane tickets. I'm just going to say that right now. Well, and you know, one of my irons in the fire. Yeah. If if that can happen. Yeah. Who? Uh, but anyway, uh, it. So we again, we just want to. We're done bloviating now. Thank you to everyone that came out. Thank you for everyone that uh, gave us encouragement and, uh, and thank you to the creators. Us, yeah, and shout out for the support. And, and yeah, thank you to thank you to Joe Pruitt, yep. Garth Ennis, Brian Phil Hester, Ryan Azzarello, Eric Gapster, Otis Frampton, Jordan, Jordan Gunderson. Gunderson. Um, every you know we we literally we could not have done it without you guys. So yep. if you're if you're listening, we we do thank you quite a bit. Um. Now, shifting uh, we can, gears, we can totally shift gears, and and someday uh, somebody wanted to know uh, what really what all goes into oh, gotcha. setting up a, uh, a signing and kind of the ins and the outs, and uh, someday we'll do something about that and really kind of go into the the nitty gritty of it. But I think right now uh, we'll put something concise together and that'll probably drop whenever my uh, grading podcast comes out. So yeah, which that should be hopefully coming up soon. Uh, we will definitely, we'll definitely do it before the end of the year. Definitely do it before the end of the year. Oh, and by the way, I may have signed us up for something because it may have been my idea. Huh? We may do an end of the year sales recap with John Mayo. Oh, cool. And Sam, and TJ on awesome. single issues, trades, things like that, and just talk about sales trends over the course of the year. When are they coming up? Uh, oh, wow. Uh, they're coming up on Skype whenever their schedules allow. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. But anyway, so uh, so yeah, we'll, we can do a more in-depth, uh, more concise deep dive on what it takes to put a con together. Yep, absolutely. Now, switching gears over to something that Don had asked us about uh, last week. He was kind of curious just how legacy is going for us. Obviously, we know that there's been, you know, a couple things happening over at Marvel offices. And uh, one yeah. of those big things is legacy. And that's probably the biggest impact to stores is, you know, what's going on. Some people have had great success. Some haven't had as much success. Well, the last month and a half, two months, really, you kind of look at the things that Marvel's done. They've put legacy out. The the numbers were changed, mm-hmm. but a lot of the creative teams weren't. Yep. Uh, the The big complaint that we get from people about Legacy is that it's confusing. Why did this book get renumbered and this one didn't? I don't have a good answer to that because I because I, I can tell some people that well, uh, all new Wolverine's not getting renumbered because. It's it's a relatively no, no low number, and there wasn't a lot of 
there weren't a lot of issues of a previous title to jump on, but Venom was a low number. Venom went from six to one fifty. I think Peter Parker went from six. Was it something like six that. to whatever the hell it came out today? Uh, there are there does not seem to be a real rhyme or reason to to the renumbering, and that I think is hurting the branding. People people are viewing it as a half measure. Now the sales though, and this is going to fly in the face of what almost everybody else is saying. Uh, what helped us more than anything sell sell this stuff are the lenticular covers. Yep, and it is. I can I can grasp and understand and totally comprehend all of the people. Now, one thing that that we have access to that your average listener does not are the retail forums that you have to have a store. Yep, you have to be invited. You have to have a diamond account number. Correct, First and then you and, and then you have to be invited by you know either somebody who runs the forum or somebody else, and you have to get approved and blah blah blah. So we get access. We hear a lot more of this kind of uh, inside complaining than you'll just see on something like Bleeding Cool or Comic Book Resources or whatever. Newsarama or whatever. Yeah, and we hear more people complaining about Marvel than yeah than any other company, and we talked and some of it just. And some of it, baseless. Right. Uh, there were people today complaining about, you sent it to me, I had seen it before when it was posted on a different retailer <laughs> yeah. board. Um, retailers complaining that they bought the trade paperback boxes. Thinking and, they were single issue boxes. Right. And they're like, well, these boxes are warped, Marvel. You can't fit a full-size comic in them. Right. Well, it, Read then, the description. Then somebody, right. Then somebody posted the solicitation again. People are, are using whatever they can to throw shade Marvel's way. Yep. Uh, and some of it is, some of it deservedly so. Uh, and I think the fact that our customers are viewing Legacy as a half measure and not a rebirth style reboot is going to be the biggest dampener of sales that, that they could have done. If they would have done a full reboot, yes, some people would have moaned about it. But they would no one would have been confused. And that is the big problem that they have right now. Uh, I've had people put I mean, I, I think that we I think seventy five percent to eighty percent of our legacy sales have been lenticulars, people that are just buying lenticulars. And to be honest though, uh, we knew we I shouldn't say we knew. We made a very calculated guess. That we would fare well on lenticulars. So we went heavier on those than we did yeah. the regular issues now, for that reason. And and I'll and we can go inside baseball on this one too. One of the big reasons is talking to a lot of the local stores that are around us, some that you know we're friendly with and some that are I don't say we're not friendly with, because we're not unfriendly with anybody, but some that are just competition that we don't really know. Hardly anybody got the lenticulars or or right. Maybe they qualified for three or four of them. Right. So one of them we are we are lucky enough to have send their customers to us. Yeah. Which has been very appreciated. So we ended up getting Well, and this is also a store that if we're shorted on product or they're shorted on product, we we, we oh, make sure absolutely. that each other's covered. Right, right. We help each other out. But so. we had an entire store send their lenticular interest customers to us. So we were pulling from two two stores worth of, of customers. But 
Uh, we did hear now from multiple people in, in that area that has a lot of stores. None of the stores around there got lenticulars. Yep. Um, some of the reasons for those being that the, the stores were larger stores that might have ordered, you know, 70 or 80 or 100 copies of a certain book. And for them, that percentage increase made having to order 75 extra copies kind of unfeasible, whereas we could maybe order an extra 10 yep. to qualify for the lenticulars. And um, ultimately, it was a success for us, but it was not guaranteed by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Now, there were some that we ordered heavier on. And some we only ordered a couple of. Correct. So the question then is, and this is actually a question that we got, did we did we just not lose money on Legacy? Did we actually make a lot of money? And, uh, and we'll be honest with you, uh, on some titles, we didn't make any money. We didn't lose any money. We didn't make any money. But here's one of the things that we are taking into account. We haven't done a single show in November. Right. And we only did one show in October, which was before any of these came out. So while we do have a decent stack of all of the lenticular covers left over, we know that the area that this next show that we're going to is, is where all of these stores didn't get any lenticulars. So we have an entirely new avenue to sell this leftover product that we are already either at prop or, or breaking even or at profit on. Uh, one of the other big things that, gets blasted all the time are the the ratio variants. And I will say that is the number one thing that has helped us yep. be profitable or at least break even ordering a gigantic amount of these because we've sold Daredevil. We got uh, 200 copies because we pre-sold two of the one in 100s. Thor, we got 200 copies. We pre-sold the Hughes variants, the, the one in 100s that they had. Um, we've had a lot of these books where they had a one in 50 or one in 100. We sold it and we're pretty much covered, you know, because we were proactive and we, we took these pre-sales from people and that, that is a, hum, a humongous asset that I wonder why. And, and we talked to a lot of stores that complain about this kind of thing. Why did we get, and these are stores that are in areas where they get probably 10 times the, tr the foot traffic that we get. They ordered 60 copies of, of Marvel Legacy, the one shot, and they lost money on it. We ordered 1,000 copies of Marvel Legacy, we made the money. one shot, and we made money. And we still now, have we still have a lot we of still have plenty if anybody's looking. A lot looking. of copies. <laughs> uh, but why is that? Because we were proactive and we were selling and really doing a hard sell and a hard push on selling these variants. And not just in the store, through whatever avenue yep. we have open to us. Um, now, again, that means that, that – and I know that some people, there are some store owners that hate having to be that proactive. And, and we've talked to them relatively recently. They don't want to sell anything online. What if I don't get it in? What if it shows up damaged? Uh, what if it shows up damaged and I can't get a replacement for it and I pre-sold it? You know, And now I'll – be out the money and I'll have bad feedback or something. You got to take the risk. You just have to. I mean, it's, well, you don't have to, I suppose. No, you don't have to. But if you want to, if you want to jump up to the next level, you have to start doing stuff like that. Yep. And we were lucky enough to, to have really no issues with any of that yet. We haven't had any issues. And the no, one, no, actually, well, actually we have. yeah, 
we've had we've we certainly we had our share of issues with the one in one thousand. The one, yeah, we had problems with the one, a lot of problems. Four with times one thousand, a different one counting? in one thousand, not legacy, but a no, different no, book. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that was a, a total nightmare. But again, that was more on Diamond's end. Yep. And it was, and, and Marvel made sure that everything right, was taken care of. We have to give Marvel credit for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. For how that was handled. Um, I don't think, I think for a lot of stores, it is, it's hard for them to rationalize selling something that you don't have. And I get that. I understand the reasoning and where they're coming from. But if they were going to order 25 copies of a book, and they can all of a sudden get a hundred copies of, of the book by pre-selling a variant cover. What is the problem there? You know, if anything, it's costing you less if that one in one hundred covers the cost of those books. So you have a higher us, ceiling to get to as well. Correct. Now, Doomsday Clock, we ordered a couple hundred copies of Doomsday Clock coming up, and I kind of found, found myself complaining a couple times. I said. Why didn't DC do I really wish they would have done a 1 in 100 for Doomsday Clock because we would have qualified for them. Whereas two years ago, I would have said, no, I can't believe they're doing a 1 in 100. There's no way to reach that. You know, now it's it's not just that we're already ordering a couple hundred copies. It's that I kind of understand the game better and how to use the yeah. these tools to yep. your benefit. We figured out how that... How you can, like you said, use it to your benefit and where you can use those other avenues, whether it's in-store or out-of-store, to essentially cover the cost of your stock. And in-store, but now in-store is the best. In-store is the best because you're going to develop relationships with certain customers where there are people that you can go to and say, hey, just so you know, I'm getting this. You want first crack at it. Mm -hmm. And if you can develop a couple of those variant buyer customers... You can really, really, really help your bottom line out. Um, but keeping it in, in the store like that, also, if you do have an issue, let's say the diamond, we had this happen with Dark Knight Metal number one that was a total train wreck with the one in 100, uh, where they sent us the wrong book. And yep. the guy who bought the book came in and we said, Look, we're so sorry, this is what happened. I want to show you this email that I've been the email exchange with our diamond rep just to show you it's not us pulling your chain. He's like, all right, well, just let me know when it comes in. Yep. You know, and, and something like that, if that had been an online buyer, they may not have been as understanding. Um, you might've been out the money. You never know, but developing those in-store relationships with customers and letting them know this is an option. We can get this for you. It can be unbelievably helpful. Yep. So anyway, to take it back to the the last couple of weeks of Legacy, we've we've done well on all of them, and the ones that we have a lot of copies on the shelf, Thor, Captain America, they're already paid off. Daredevil, right? It's they're all paid off. Uh, so the complaints that we hear on a lot of the retailer boards that my shelves are filled with these books that won't sell. Well then, okay. But did you make money from? Find it? a different way to you sell them. Exactly. Or did? But did you? The books that you're you're complaining are littering your shelves. You either ordered too many, or you ordered them in the wrong way. Yeah. And I'm not going to you know, on the the grand scheme of things. Um, running a store for three years is nothing compared to the people that have had it for ten or fifteen or twenty that are complaining it, yes. about this stuff. 
And they have a wealth of knowledge and experience that we do not possess and hopefully will possess someday. But at the same time, I do wonder how much of that uh, comes down to this is how it used to be done and we are not going to change and adapt. It's a new, re- it's a new landscape. Correct. There's new tools out there. Um, like you said, the things that we have excess stock of are things that were already paid off due mm-hmm. to pre-work. We didn't, we didn't go heavy on assumption. We went heavy on known guarantee. Uh, there's some things that, yes, we will take a flyer, like Doomsday Clock. There's no, there's no Doomsday Clock Zero that we've got pre-orders for that we can base it off of. Mm-hmm. We just have to go with our gut. We know how Rebirth did. We know how DC's doing. Right. We know that that the FedEx guy that sees the sign in the window asks every week to Doomsday Clock come out, even though it says it's not coming out until whatever day. Yep. You know, so I mean, we can we can feel that. Um, there is a bit of guesswork, but it's minimal at this point for us. And like you said, three years of knowledge of how things are working, we figured out tricks that we can use that help us mm-hmm. do things better, whether it's kind of just surveying, watching, talking with other store owners, um, talking with the customers. But we've we've got it down to a, a system where, by and large, if we're going to go big on a book, we know exactly what we're doing and we know why and how. And we've got a plan. Yeah, and, it, and again, going back to the breaking even thing, Breaking even is no way to run a business, and that's how you'll go out of business. But right. the few things or, or the, the books that we have broken even on are books that we know that we will, you know, a, a couple of weeks from now, that we have a big avenue to sell a lot of them. Yeah, they have legs. Correct. And the other stuff, so we're, we're, we, never, we never go, oh, we can break even on that. Let's, do, let's order this in because um, we're not that stupid. But – when we say break even, we the stuff that's sitting on the shelves is stuff that we know we can sell. Yeah, not maybe not right now, but in a month or in in two weeks or three weeks or whatever. Yep. Um, you just have to know your markets, and and that's us projecting and knowing this market is not going to have it. We're going to all of a sudden be in this market with this product. Yep. That there exists a vacuum for. So now we've got this product. It's it's a uh, expected revenue. You know, it's projected. Yep. Uh, it will be, it's product sitting in the shelves now. And if it sells between now and then, which it is every day we're selling these lenticulars, um, that's even better. Yep. And then whatever's left, we'll take, we'll take there. You know, 100% sell through is ultimately the goal. Um, now 100% sell through sounds great until you, until you say, uh, we got two copies and we could have sold 20. Yes. You know, that sounds terrible. Uh, what these lenticulars are doing for us, by being kind of a novelty that not every store qualified for is it gave us an opportunity to, to kind of jump on um, something that was, that was that we knew in this area would be relatively neglected. Uh, so yeah, there are some items that we're still sitting on, but we, but it, it, that was calculated and we know that we will be taking them to um, a couple of different areas where we will be able to sell them. Um, and yeah, on some of the, on some of them for a little bit above cover, you know, uh, some of the, the legacy lenticulars we marked up a buck. We don't do that for everything, but there were some of them that we had to hit 
kind of ridiculous qualifiers to get. Right. Um, so the ones where we had to order an extra 10 issues of Defenders that we knew would never sell, you did, did the math on it. And if you mark the lenticulars up by a dollar, uh, then you can kind of eat away at that at, at, at least and make your money back. You know, you won't at least lose money. Um, and then whatever you start making after that is, is profit. So we don't normally mark those up, but if it was something where we had to jump through mega hoops to hit a certain qualifier, yeah, we're going to do it because we need to be able to qualify for these, especially if we have some people and like we did have that want to get all of the lenticular. So you have somebody that wants a lenticular set and we've got three people that want that. You had to hit these certain qualifiers. Now, if we just ordered, if we ordered 10 copies of 10 extra copies of defenders to get three lenticulars to be able to sell to these people, we would lose money. Right. You know, so we've talked about this before and normally we criticize marking up variants, but I think we've always sort of had the caveat where if it's something where you have to jump through hoops, you know, in order to, to get them, then we're all in favor of doing it. Yeah. I think we've, we've, uh, we've pointed and kind of cried foul at those that mark up the DC open to order variants. Things yeah, like that. Yeah, anything open to order. That's that's just dirty pool. Uh, but for the things where you have to up your orders, mm-hmm. and we've talked about that before. There's a pass-through. If you want the 1 in 25 and we're ordering 18 of a book, well, you're going to have to cover a little bit of the cost of jumping up those seven right. books to get that 1 in 25. Um, so, yeah, I it is it is what it is, and it's one of those things where um, the people that are buying them, they understand. They they yeah. respect it. They but they it's, don't get again, it's supply and demand. And if yeah. you hit six shops within an hour of here, and nobody had it, and then you come here and we've got it, and yes, our defenders lenticular is going to be a dollar more, but we have it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's cheaper than the cover price plus three ninety nine shipping you're going to pay on eBay or whatever else it is. So um, we've we've been as calculated as I think we could be on the, on the, the legacy lenticulars. Yep. Ultimately the answer to the question is legacy has done well for us with the lenticular covers. Yep. Where I am doubting legacy will continue to do well is with all of the follow-up issues. Yep. Because ultimately with a couple exceptions, we have seen reduced subscribers on almost every book. Every jumping on point is a jumping off point. It's true. Um, Moon Knight was one of the exceptions. Yep. Moon Knight, for whatever reason right now, is hot. People want to be reading a Moon Knight. And it wasn't just Drew. (laughs) No, but we had, I mean, we've had a lot of people. I think Moon Knight right now, I think we have as many Moon Knight subscribers as we do Amazing Spider-Man. Now, Moon Knight, they've got the Avatar artist, right? Jason Burroughs, who yeah. actually had worked on Cross and some other stuff. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think he's really the first Avatar artist that I can remember crossing over to looks the good. big two. It does. It, it looks does. real good. Well, and the last couple of is- or pages of that issue, where it's like a kind of a bloody grinning guy in an insane asylum, looked like they're right out that's of Avatar. Cross. <laughs> yeah. Right. But um, yeah, Moon Knight was, was uh, one that really surprised us with, with how many people showed interest in, in the character and the title. Um, I didn't see that coming, so I'm glad no. that we ordered big on it. Um, otherwise, I really can't think of a single title where we added 
subscribers. We got a mega boost from the lenticulars, but that's we've a explained that shot. extenuating circumstances behind that. And um, ultimately, um, I don't think that Legacy is going to do what it was intended to do. And I'm guessing that within a month or two months that our numbers, maybe Moon Knight aside, will be complete parody or lower than what they were pre-Legacy. And I hate to say it, I want it to be a success. I, I don't know why any retailer would ever yeah. wish ill, and there are certainly some that are very vocal and do that, why they would wish ill on a company or a relaunch or a whatever product line that controls out. 35% of the market right. that you're We want money. Legacy to do well. Yeah. Uh, we want Marvel to do well. But uh, Legacy thus far, if you take the gimmicks away, has not done what it is supposed to do now the there there is i think it is safe to say that there is some kind of an illness at marvel if we want to talk about the symptoms we've gone in we, we've gone over the symptoms many times and yeah um but let's talk about some of the kind of um unintended consequences and whether or not i've read and heard all sorts of things you know obviously bendis everybody i'm sure listening to this by now already knows Ryan Bendis, his, his contract was up, and he went over to D.C. Yep. He's now a, a D.C. exclusive writer. Um, there's a rumor that they're looking at landing Jonathan Hickman. Yep. And I, I think D.C. is just on such a – well, and we won't even go into the whole Berganza thing. I think the – really the only negatives that I've heard about D.C. on the, the personnel side since Rebirth have been on the, the Berganza – end of things but marvel is losing talent and dc is gaining talent hickman is a great example of somebody who left to do creative or to do creator own work and now you know there's a rumor that dc is going to snatch him up i i i just wonder if legacy does to everyone what it did for us and we know that there are a lot of stores just in this area, but, you know, is, is a, a microcosm. But if you want to look on a macro level, you have to extrapolate that because there were a lot of loud, very vocal store owners that didn't do anything with lenticular. So we were able to make money off of Legacy, but they weren't. So they're already seeing what we're projecting to happen. Right. Um, if that keeps up and then nothing changes... Uh, the only thing that I can think or imagine is that Marvel's gonna gonna have to make some drastic, drastic changes to uh, just about every just about every every end of things. And um, again, there are a lot of great people working at Marvel, a lot of friendly people, people that we're on great terms with, but the books aren't; they're just not doing what like what, or what Legacy was intended to do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they could do at this point either. And I do think we talked about this when they first announced it uh, at C2E2, how they're farming Star Wars adventures out to IDW. And kind of the party line was, well, they've got a built in, they've got a built in avenue to, to reach kids and they, they excel at kids books and they have um, my little pony and whatnot. But I I wonder if that how much of that was them testing the waters and saying 
this license is just not doing what it's supposed to do. Can we license it out? Can we make money treating it as a license and have somebody else make the content? I wonder if, I mean, I don't, normally you would think that Disney would never want something to go outside of its company, but they did it. They're doing it. They're doing it with Frozen. They're doing it with um, that Joe's book series of what, I mean, that company that. Well, you've got all the Disney manga series that are coming out with the Disney princesses. Yeah, you absolutely. wouldn't know that. But, well, <laughs> but, I order them. But it's because my, I mean, my wife orders I think, them. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I there, There's a lot of evidence there that well the behind other, the scenes there's there's there there something has to happen yeah to change we we make jokes that bring back Jim Shooter blah 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 whatever but ultimately I don't know I don't know what they can do at this point because they're hemorrhaging talent and they're yes they signed Donny Cates to an exclusive and they signed Rosenberg and uh, I don't but you know it's not it's not doing anything for us we haven't had anybody come in and say. I loved God Country. Sub me to Thanos. You know nobody's doing that. Doctor Strange. He's writing Thanos and Doctor Strange. Okay. Nobody's doing that. And, right. and I wonder if, um, in, in fact, we've had people drop Doctor Strange when Jason Aaron was done, right. and not jump back on when Donny Cates came out. So I don't know what they're, they're hemorrhaging talent. I think uh, there's got to be a solution out there, but I just I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Whereas DC is pulling in all of these people that want to come and work for, they want to come to work for DC. They're pushing, um, apparently they're, they're even offering some kind of like creative owned or creator owned, uh, rights to some of these new characters with this new age of DC heroes thing. They're, they're really the place to be. I mean, uh, whatever they're doing, Marvel needs to take a page from that playbook. It's funny because they're taking a page from Marvel's playbook. Yeah. They're doing the, they're going back to the Marvel, Marvel method. method. They're pushing. We talked about this again ad nauseum with the how how much like the '90s current DC is right now. The cover gimmicks pushing the artists over, kind of over the writers. The new age of DC heroes thing, bringing out a ton of characters that look like they would be at home in Bloodlines. Um, I wonder if if Marvel is due for their sort of. Um, 2000s renaissance after after what happened in the 90s you know if, if they're kind of at that lull that they were at in the 90s are they ready for another joe quesada to come in with a marvel knights imprint do they need to find a bill J- jamas or whatever to, to come in and, and take the company in a totally new direction or the other question is is dc or not dc but disney are they just are they just going to be done with it and take a corporate approach and say, this whole division is not working. It's not doing what we want it to do. We're now taking control. You know, are we past that era of we're going to get a new editor in chief and we're going to get a new uh, publisher and blah, blah, blah. And we're going to have a new direction for Marvel with a new reboot. How many times can they do that before the boss says we're done? You know, we're not going to keep putting new siding on the house needs to get demolished. I think it's going to happen sooner than later. I agree. I mean, we've talked about it numerous times. Yeah. And we know, and, and we, I mean, we won't go into any detail, but we've heard, we've heard things from industry people that lead us to think that there is more going on than we're hearing about. And I think that, um, 
ultimately, I, I you know, again, to sum everything up and then I'll be done, but uh, the fact is we're, we're making money off of legacy, but I, it's hard to feel good about it. Yeah, the question will be four months down the road. Mm-hmm. That's really where the yeah the rubber meets the road. Absolutely. So, yeah. Anything else? No, I I have nothing else. Okay. Well, I mean, I probably could go on about whatever, but I'm, ultimately, I'm done. So. You know, with that, again, if anybody else has questions, thoughts, things like that, please, by all means, send them over to us. Um, oh, oh, oh. If you are anywhere oh. in the area, oh, we're going to have a Black Friday sale. You betcha. Um, I mean, I'm assuming you're going to get this up before Black Friday. Uh, or thank <laughs> you for coming to our Black Friday sale. Yeah. I'll get her up. One of the two. I'll put it up on Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll get it up there. So, Black Friday sale. Uh we're going to have a lot of great stuff on on clearance, action yep. figures, statues, some games, some trades, uh, and we're doing 40% off on our back issues. So uh, yep. might want to make a trip up, and uh, and Eric will give you a deep tissue massage. Yeah, I'll hand you a couple of Kleenex, and I'll walk up. There you go. Okay. No, the, the other thing, too, is uh, if you don't follow us on Facebook, strongly recommend you do. Do it. Uh, we've had some folks who can't travel out here but want to take advantage of some of the sales, and uh, they're able to do that. They see when they are, and they just contact us and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in this, but I can't get out to you. We're more than happy to extend it to you. Just throw us a couple shekels for shipping, and it's all yours. We literally have an employee whose only job is to ship, ship products. Yep. So we, we have no qualms about doing it. And if he sits idle, we're losing money. Right. So, uh, but... You know, again, if you have any questions, by all means, shoot us an email, uh, send us a Facebook message. If you're on the comic book page Slack channel, you can find both of us on there. We're both on that one. Uh, we're, we're pretty, pretty available. Honestly, you can reach out to us, ask us questions, have, uh, if you've got some concerns or if you're a creator who, uh, has interest in how you can partner with either your local shop or our shop, by all means, reach out. Or if you have questions that you want to hear us, Try to answer. Yeah. Um, We're more than happy to do it. One of the things, actually, we'll take a brief aside, that we've talked about, James and I. This whole thing's been a brief aside. Well, it's not very brief. It's just been an aside. That's true. But one of the things that James and I have talked about is what, you know, what's the point of this podcast and what what do we find value out of? First and foremost, we find value out of just sitting at the comic store chatting. But um, ultimately, if you're a person who's interested in opening a store, maybe you've opened a store Maybe you've run a store for you know twenty years, and you've gleaned some insight from something we've talked about. Uh, just letting us know that hey, I heard you guys talk about this, and I I tried it, and it's worked. Or um, you know, I wanted to open a store, and I used this idea, and it, it didn't fall, it didn't go as good for me as it did for you. But or if you have the twenty you know, the, the twenty years of experience, and you're like, you These idiots guys are morons. <laughs> Please tell us because yeah. we need to know that. Yeah, we need to change something then. But by all means, um, you know. Letting us know that would be awesome. Yeah, we're, we're receptive equally to uh, criticism, criticism and feedback. So you betcha. Yeah. Yep. Anything and everything. So with that, uh, I think we'll call her good and we'll sign off. Hey, what do you say? It's time to go to bed. All right. Well, thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you next time.
On behalf of all of us, thank you for listening to this episode of the Cowcast. You can find us on all the main social media outlets, including Facebook at facebook.com slash Incredicow, on Twitter at Incredicow, or on Instagram at Cowabunga Comics. To send an email to us directly, send it to podcast at cowabungacomics.com, or to join in the discussion, you can hop on our new Cowabunga Comics forum at forums.cowabungacomics, that's cowabunga with a K, dot com. Thank you.